Welcome to Ballot Battleground, Nevada. I'm your host, Ben Marjat, a reporter at KRNV News 4 in Reno. I'm passionate about making politics in this critical battleground state more digestible to the average voter and pushing past the talking points to press politicians for answers. On this show, we take deep dives into the people, ideas, and debates shaping Silver State politics. It's less than a week out from Nevada's first presidential preference primary since the 1980s. But Republicans are also holding a caucus just two days later. We've been getting calls and emails nonstop from people confused by this mess. That's why I thought for this first episode, we would start with the basics. How and why we got here, how you can participate, and does it still matter as the race for president consolidates? Who better to bring on the show than someone I've interviewed many times about politics, the chair of the political science department at Truckee Meadows Community College, Fred Locken. Fred Locken, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. You are the chair of the political science department at Truckee Meadows Community College, but more importantly, a great resource for us newsies because... You're so gracious with your time and coming into the station to do interviews. I think we've done probably a handful, maybe a dozen of interviews over the years of my time at News 4. And thank you for being so gracious with your time and explaining these complicated issues for me and for our viewers. We always appreciate it. Well, as a political scientist, it's really what we need to be doing. There's a great deal of, of confusion about American politics. Certainly, we have seen a great deal of cynicism come into American politics. So it's opportunities like this where we maybe answer some questions and take a deep dive on a couple of issues and, and come away with them, understanding them a little better. Confusion is a great segue because I think the title for this episode is going to be Primary Caucus Confusion, and we have been getting calls couple calls a day. I was over at the Washoe GOP headquarters a few weeks ago. Their phone was ringing every 10 or 15 minutes. People are confused about this process, this split process that we have in Nevada. So today, the goal of this show is to kind of walk through it step by step and explain every single thing that has led up to this confusing process. People are confused. Which election do I participate in? Why is it this way? Why is this person not on my ballot? And it's just a confusing process, I think, for everyone. And it's the first time, so it's even more confusing for people who are used to the caucus system for so many years. And Nevada has a kind of a long history of, of not being sure of what it wanted to use. Uh, when I came here in the 1990s, we had a, a closed primary, and it, it has been controversial. Uh, it, it requires party identification, for, and then you are only able to see that ballot. I came from the state of Wisconsin where we had the open primary as opposed to the closed primary, and I, as a voter, uh, when I was of age, was able to go in and pick which ballot I wanted to part participate in during that primary process. I never had to declare a party identification, but parties like the idea of having you declare. It, it, it gives them better numbers. It gives them a better sense of what they have to do and, and how they can, it can do it. But we shifted to caucuses in the, in the 2000s, and uh, we did, I think, a total of four of them at the presidential level, and they never went very well. We had very poor turnout. Uh, we never ran any of them very well, and I said, you talk about confusion, for anyone that's a long-term voter, there was always a lot of confusion about our caucuses. And so the uh, legislature finally, in a bipartisan nature, decided to shift back and come back to a closed primary and, uh, and put that, that in motion. 
Well, that has implications nationally because the, the, you know, the, the national process, has, you're talking here about a presidential primary, and so the, the, you know, it does engage both the Republicans and nationals at that level. All of that seemed to work out. It's more the bigger debates for us nationally was the timing. When was it going to occur? Was it still going to be towards the front like Harry Reid had been able to set up or we're getting a bit, bit pushed out? We're still up towards the front. But the odd confusion for us on this round is inside the Republican Party. The party supported it in the legislature, signed into law, but since that point, the state Republican Party opted not to participate in the approved closed primary, but to keep it the caucus. And uh, that was honestly at the behest of Donald Trump, who uh, finds that he has better control, a, a caucus, uh, and we can talk about this, the differences between a caucus and a primary, but from the Trump campaign's point of view, it's much easier to control the outcome of a caucus, and that's where we find ourselves. So we are running a primary and a caucus. The primary really only has a Nikki Haley to, uh, to pay attention to, but she won't win any delegates, uh, delegates by winning that. And all of the delegates will be chosen in a very quirky and unique Republican caucus that, that occurs two days after the primary. It's a fascinating process. Let's back up a little bit to 2021 when the Nevada presidential preference primary law was passed. As you mentioned, it was in a bipartisan fashion. It was signed into law by Democratic Governor Steve Sislak, but there were a handful of Republicans in the Assembly and Senate that voted for that bill in 2021 to kind of transition from the caucus system to the presidential preference primary. Why? What was kind of the impetus for switching from caucuses to primaries? I think all of us would probably point to the Iowa caucus disaster of 2020 that uh, really put a bad taste in the mouths of a lot of states that were using caucuses because they just they're well-intentioned, but they just are hard to run, that mistakes are made, uh, and, and confusion reigns. And so we had had a lot of complaining about it here. I think that uh, there was uh, some influence from the sides yet from people like Harry Reid, who wanted to get it back into a primary situation. He was now out of office, but, but still having a lot of influence with the National Party. Uh, so there were, there were a couple of motivators. You do get, also, I think in, in Nevada, we've had a growing spirit of more participation. We want more of our voters involved. We used to be one of the worst states for voter turnout. Right now, we're probably about 42nd in the country. We've improved, but it's got a long way to go. But when you do caucuses, very few people participate. The, even in these primaries, very few, few people participate. Uh, in the Iowa caucus, 14% of the eligible Republicans uh, made that decision. It gets national coverage. But that, that means 86% stayed home. I mean, that, that's a frightening number. And, and Nevada's numbers are no better with caucus turnouts. So uh, I, I think voter turnout and a desire. Uh, uh, Harry Reid had always had this architecture that would promoted primaries uh, as, as a way to get more interest in the party. And, uh, and I think people drank that Kool-Aid, and, and that influenced the Democratic side. For the Republicans, it's just that their caucuses that had not gone well either, and they, the, the, the closed primary has a tradition in the state. And so we should explain for people, the closed primary is when you must be signed up as a Democrat to participate, or registered as a Democrat to participate in the Democratic primary. Same goes for the Republican primary. 
the growing section of nonpartisan voters excluded from the process altogether. And that's probably a conversation for a whole nother day because that has so many implications for our politics now. But um, let's start with the Democratic side because it's uh, easier to understand, whereas um, the Republicans is a bit more confusing. Democrats, the Nevada Dems, have said, we will abide by the results of the presidential preference primary on February 6th, right? How will that election run? It's the first time that we've had it in decades. And uh, how will the delegates be awarded, at least for the Democratic side? Well, for our informed voters, of course, some of the confusion is we're talking about a primary on February 6th, but we also have a primary coming in June. And so they're kind of similar, but really different. Uh, and in this case, we're having a presidential primary. And so the purpose of this primary is ultimately to select delegates for each of the two parties, ideally, uh, that will attend their respective conventions and choose their nominee for both president and vice president for fall election. Uh, this is a system that actually began back in 1902 in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, and uh, there were only 17 primaries as late as, as uh, 1960, but John Kennedy used the primary to gain national attention and actually win uh, the presidency in 1960. We got up to 37 primaries by 1976 when Jimmy Carter used the Iowa caucus to build a national identity. Then we had a race back to caucuses and the decline of primaries. And we've been back and forth ever since uh, amongst the various states. But it is a delegate selection process. So after the event on the 6th, which for the Democrats would be the only relevant one. The Republicans, you'll wait until the 8th. But you're identifying first your precinct level, then your county level delegates that go to the state convention and pick the delegates that go to the national convention. So that's all a party process. It's beyond the election. It's kind of beyond the political process. It's what parties go through to choose their nominees. And so Nevada's uh, Democratic delegates, I believe we have 49 of them, they will be allocated based on the winner of the PPP, the presidential preference primary on February 6th. Joe Biden, uh, according to the polls, uh, expected to win that, but Marianne Williamson and a couple of other minor candidates in that race as well. But let's switch now to the Republican side because that's where it gets confusing with two contests in a matter of three days. February 6th, we're going to have the presidential preference primary. The state is required to hold that election no matter what the Nevada GOP is doing. But the Nevada GOP has chosen to, two days later on the 8th, hold the caucus. Why did they do that? And why are we seeing certain candidates choose to participate in the primary and other candidates choose to participate in the caucus? As I had suggested, this was primarily at the request of candidate Donald Trump. Uh, who, as the former president, had a lot of say and sway over each of the state selection processes. Uh, and uh, it was his expectation that we would remain a caucus, and the state Republican Party uh, fulfilled those wishes and scheduled a separate event. For the average voter, it's confusing because there's still a Republican preferential primary. Nikki Haley is the only candidate you'll recognize. Nobody's campaigned in the state. Nobody spent any money in the state. None of us have really missed that in terms of the advertising, but it, it's a reality. The, the reality of all of this is that they're receiving ballots in the mail if they're a registered voter and unless they chose to decline that ballot. So they have a ballot that conveniently came to them at home to complete and mail in. But if they want their, their participation to matter, they have to wait until the 8th and participate in the Republican caucus 
which is only two hours long in a limited number of locations across the state. Uh, you have to show up with a voter ID or with your photo ID for probably your driver's license to participate. Uh, you have an opportunity to mark a ballot and then leave, or you can stay for two hours of meetings. But uh, it's, it's not a typical caucus where you would try to persuade others and go through a series of votes to uh, decide who th that will be. In, it, it's, it's basically just a Donald Trump ballot. And the Nevada GOP, as you mentioned, voter ID and a number of other electoral reforms that they support are incorporated into the contest. They plan to release the results on the same day. I think uh, precinct-based voting, uh, there's no early voting. You know, you can only participate the night of the caucus. And so Nevada's Republican delegates, uh, 26 of them, they will be determined based on the winner of the caucus. So just to go real simple here, February 6th, we have the presidential preference primary. Nikki Haley is the only major candidate still in the race that's going to be on that ballot. February 8th, the GOP caucus. Donald Trump is the only major candidate. Uh, and so Nikki Haley and Donald Trump, respectively, likely to win both of those contests if the polls are any indication. And then, unfortunately for us, we move on from Nevada and to South Carolina and beyond. But what's your sense of just how confusing this is for voters? Because uh, it didn't have to be this way. Well, it did not, and it wasn't not intended to be this way. Uh, but the politics of the state have been rather bizarre for the last more than decade. Uh, there was a libertarian takeover of the state Republican Party at one point uh, some 10 years ago. Uh, Republicans saw progress or Democrats saw a progressive takeover of the party uh, down in Clark County just a few years ago. So there have been some machinations and maneuverings that have gone on within the two-party system in the state. Uh, for voters, though, I mean, this idea of the arrival of the mail-in ballot uh, as a result of the pandemic has really improved voter turnout. We're in a transition. I think uh, it, it becomes a rather expensive event because they're not only offering early voting, which is usually about 10 days, which comes at a cost and has to be staffed, but then mailing out all of the ballots to everybody. And, and uh, that adds, it's like running a regular election. And they're spending that for both the Democrats and the Republicans, and then the Republicans choose not to use it. And, and in a way, it suppresses the vote because to physically go someplace at a specific time, a very narrow period of time, uh, is just naturally going to render down the number of people that can do that during a regular workday. Uh, and, and so the issue isn't getting out as many voices. It's kind of controlling the voices that show up. Uh, the other, there are a couple of other controversies that have bubbled up on this because the uh, state Republican Party has still sort of argues there are problems with Nevada's election integrity. And they, they're saying, well, it's just, you know, they're going to be able to produce their results. Well, with only Nikki Haley as the, the one standout, uh, they're easily going to report uh, results in a timely fashion for the Republicans this time would have been able to do it if Donald Trump was on the yeah. and uh, it because there will it's always a provisional number waiting for more ballots that may come in after because they have four days to process uh, but the the state Republican Party has made a big deal about their accurate counting and getting that count out but I'm understanding that they're not allowing observers and they're not allowing the press. Mm -hmm. So I have a public process that's fully open to scrutiny and accountability that will report results. And then I have a party process that seems to be done behind closed doors. 
Uh, I have a lot more suspicion about the accuracy of the number coming out of that than I do out of one that's publicly scrutinized. So I think that there will be uh, some concerns about what numbers they are reporting. We have the ability to observe who's going in. I can tell you that I'm expecting voter turnout will be very, very low for this as a result, especially on the Republican side, because uh, there is so much confusion. And uh, some of them are going to wind up casting the mail-in ballot or coming in and voting early or voting on Election Day, uh, thinking that still counts because of the confusion. And it'll be like Iowa, right, where people are writing the name in the caucus, we should say, of the candidate they support, dropping it into a bucket and manually counting that night, correct? Yep. And uh, we have a couple of counties as a result of the controversies of 2020 that went to manual ballot counting. And it was kind of funny because uh, uh, in one case, uh, it's, it's a county that only has like a thousand people in it. It was a low number, but they completely screwed it up and had it wrong the first time. I, we went away from manual counting because it is, it, it's subject to bias. It's subject to manipulation. You, you talk about ballots disappearing. That's how they used to disappear. We've gone to a public process that, uh, trusting and validating the electronics because they're infinitely more reliable. But it's an odd debate. I don't think it's going to be a factor for the fall of 2024 election. I think most Nevadans know that their their integrity is in place in this. But it's really sad that people are still perpetuating that. Nikki Haley and Tim Scott and Mike Pence are the major candidates that signed up for the presidential preference primary. Of course, Tim Scott and Mike Pence no longer in the race. Um, So Nikki Haley is. But What's the motivation for her? She has no chance of winning any delegates in that contest on February 6th. Why participate in that process when the caucus is where the delegates will be actually awarded two days later? Well, there's sort of a, a, the fix is in. uh, Donald Trump is president, just as uh, Barack Obama is president, and I suppose Joe Biden is president, have a great deal of say over the party process, and they they work to change the rules so that their re-elections are going to be easier. If you get over the majority, you get all of the votes uh, for the uh, for the delegate process. And and so with that little trigger on the Republican side, uh, Haley was damned if she did, damned if she didn't, because she wasn't going to win anything in the um, caucus either. Uh, and so what she has to gain is more visibility that will be reported out. Uh, if there is a fairly decent turnout, this is kind of a plebiscite on her support in the West mm-hmm. uh, rather than a narrow sort of heavily distorted vote that occurs in a caucus. So I think they saw that there could be some value to it. You know, the chatter uh, that we hear today uh, is that she really has no path to the nomination. Uh, and, And she, you know, Trump is saying she'll maybe drop out after New Hampshire. She'll maybe drop out after South Carolina. But I don't think any of us understand what is in it at some point the reality crashes. The real firewall in our presidential selection process is Super Tuesday, and that's March 5th this year. Uh, so many states participate in it. It'd be so imp- You may not have the nomination, but you have so m- much momentum. So we know that that's probably the freshness date at the very at the very outward, but we likely may not see Nikki Haley be able to survive that long. Money starts drying up. We saw it with the DeSantis campaign. I just describe it as the wheels coming off because you know, he's firing his staff, he's laying off staff, he spent $150 million and doesn't have much to show for it in terms of support, and donors just disappear and then the campaign's done. And Nikki is at risk of that. On the other hand, for those who maybe do not want to see a Donald Trump, they want to have some alternative, they want to keep something alive, and as long as she gets campaign money, she'll keep coming. 
One of your colleagues at UNR said uh, something to the effect of the political ad writes itself where on the morning of February 7th, she can come out and say, I won the Nevada primary and won't get any delegates from it. Maybe there's a fundraising, a momentum boost in the media. Of course, we'll wait and see how that plays out. But let's just go over how people can participate because we want to, as a part of the mission of this podcast, make it easier for people to get involved in the process. So again, the primary set for February 6th, early voting has already started as of January 27th. We have a full voter guide on our website, mynews4.com, and I'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, it is not too late to switch your voter registration and participate, right? Because Nevada has same-day registration, at least for the presidential preference primary? For everything. Okay, very good. The Nevada GOP caucus set for 5 to 7.30 p.m. on February 8th. There are dozens of caucus locations across northern Nevada. We're going to have a full list of those. We'll link to that again in the show notes. But for that process, it is too late, right, to switch your party registration to participate in the caucus. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. A couple other random questions we want to get to. Can you vote in both? Can you participate in the PPP and the caucus on the 8th if you're a registered Republican? At first they said no, now they say yes, but they're saying a quiet yes. Uh, They'd rather you just, for the state Republican Party, they'd rather you would just do the caucus. Uh, They don't want to see any credibility given to Nikki Haley, anything that would damage the the, the Trump brand. And Governor Lombardo has come out and said he plans to vote none of these candidates in the presidential preference primary. I talked to the Washoe GOP chair and he's Encouraging people to do that, too, I think, to send a message that, you know, they support the primary or the caucus process and that this is a, a protest vote, essentially, for none of these candidates. A party wants to be on the same page, but Governor Lombardo did express tremendous concern when the state Republican Party announced a caucus. I think he felt blindsided by that. Uh, and he generally, I think, is an individual who is in support of moving back to a closed primary, uh, which, you know, but... For the harmony of the party, you know, they're, they're kind of going through these maneuvers, but it's, it's very strange times for the Republicans. The unfortunate thing, I think, for us in the media, we want uh, an exciting battle here in the Silver State with candidates coming every other week and lots of campaign stops to cover. The unfortunate consequence of how this has all played out is that we're becoming, at least in this cycle, less significant, right? So the Democratic primary, virtually uncontested. Joe Biden expected to cruise to the nomination with with no major challenge. And with the two major Republican candidates split in different contests here, we're not seeing the visits that we're used to. And I know Trump is going to be coming down to Vegas, but I guess the question is, does Nevada matter still? Well, you laid it out very well. I mean, there have been times when it's been far more exciting during the primary season, but you know, the choices seem to be in place. I think we have a real enthusiasm problem on both the Democratic and Republican side. So both parties are going to be challenged in figuring out how to get the vote out in November. And they're, at least in this state, I think there's already the pivot underway to be looking at that. Uh, what are going to be the issues in November that will bring Nevadans to the ballot? Uh, that's very unclear at this point in time. But in this particular circumstance, yes, the, uh, there, this is not a contested primary situation. But you are dealing with the oldest candidates in our history. Uh, so the, their mental acuity, their, their ability to fully serve a, a term uh, is, is a question on both the Republican and Democratic sides. Both candidates are remarkably robust for their respective ages. But we've just, as voters, we've never seen this. And 
And on the other hand, the parties also have a kind of a, a leadership crisis. It's, it's not like there are very viable alternatives that have bubbled up in other, either party to get us excited. So it's kind of a difficult time for voters. But you need to be encouraged to pay attention because these elections all have consequences. Always think through, picture one in power, then picture the other in power. Let that help you decide what you're going to do for the primaries. But, but pay attention to this election. Like many of the recent ones, there are a lot of things at stake. You anticipate, as you said earlier, turnout, unfortunately, to be low. The electorate is smaller because you must be registered as a Republican or a Democrat to participate, and so many people are nonpartisans. And then the fact that neither side, Democratic or Republicans, really have a contested primary. The Republicans do, but it's split between the two contests. And so, I mean, we're expecting low turnout here. The goal of switching to the PPP was to boost voter turnout. So I guess it's just a bummer and unfortunate that this is the way that it's played out, at least for this 2024 cycle. For our registrars, though, it's the opportunity to get all of these. You used to only do this for general elections. So to get back to this level of complexity uh, is great practice for them. Uh, this ensures that the future the integrity stays in place for these elections. We want to make sure every vote is counted and it's done so fairly. But this is the nature of our election cycles. Uh, often the incumbent, that party, doesn't have a lot of excitement. They usually do have an easy time in. So, so for Biden, that makes sense. Uh, Donald Trump basically owns the Republican Party, has since about 2015. And uh, this is a time going forward, depending upon how the election turns out in November. Uh, this may be his last run for the presidency. And so by the 2028 election, we'll probably see a very exciting time because it'll be a very contested environment on both sides. Fred, thank you so much for coming into the station and giving us your insights. So much wisdom to impart on our viewers and listeners. We always appreciate getting some of your time and explaining things, these complicated issues down to help voters be more informed when they step into the voting booth. So thank you, Fred. We appreciate it. Thank you. A special thanks to Fred Lockett for coming on the very first episode of Ballot Battleground Nevada. We're so appreciative to get some of his time because he's a very busy man. If you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, family member, coworker. We appreciate all the support for this show as we try and get it off the ground. Stay tuned. It's episode two launching and dropping wherever you get your podcasts on February 7th, the day after that presidential preference primary. You won't want to miss it. We'll see you then.